Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver Bohm, your host, and I just got off of this interview with Kirk Williams of Impact Overland. Kirk is an awesome dude, and he is like, he's just, he's crushing life. Now, this guy is traveling all over the world. He's doing massive adventures. He's inspiring millions of people to ditch their homes and move into vans, and he's doing all of it without the use of his legs and very little use of his hands. So he has a story to tell, and he shares in this episode the mindset that he adopted immediately after his accident and the mindset that he's carried forward in order to go from someone who's lying face down in the dirt, paralyzed, to someone who's doing all the things that I just told you. He has a great website and a movement called Impact Overland, and he's working with, uh, with wheelchair athletes and with people who have found themselves in physical challenges and teaching them how they can do exactly what he does. Whether you are in a wheelchair, whether you are able-bodied, whether you are loving COVID, whether you are shut down from COVID, no matter what you're going through, you're going to walk away from this episode with a ton of gems, and you're just going to be inspired by this man, how he lives, his attitude, and the energy with which he brings to life. So please enjoy this episode, Kirk Williams of Impact Overland. Kirk Williams, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on to share your story and some inspiration. For people who don't know who you are or what you're about, I know this is such an American question. We've gone from asking people like, what do you do to what's your one minute kind of like yep. <laughs> wrap up totally. your entire life in the next 90 seconds? For yeah, me, if you would. Perfect. Well, first off, thanks for having me. My Excited pleasure. to be here and, and talk with you uh, today. My Kirk Williams in a nutshell, my elevator pitch, if you will. Um, let me see. I am a adventure photographer. I'm a drone pilot. I'm an adaptive van lifer. I'm a sports and outdoor enthusiast. And I'm also a quadriplegic. Uh, I broke my neck 10 years ago. And, and uh, that not, I, I don't think it defines me, but what I've done since there has, um, you know, brought out a lot of my character. And, and there's kind of uh, a saying for those of us who go through a life-changing or life-altering life injury or experience. And it's, it says that it, it doesn't change who you are just how you do things and it and it really brings out the character of who you were before you you know when i was upright and uh and now that i'm in a chair but anyway yeah that's um i guess the longer the short of it yeah and beautiful i interviewed a guy this was before i was even doing podcasts i was, I was doing this year-long project and was at a gym in santa fe called undisputed and they had a um an adaptive program and I remember interviewing a wheelchair athlete there and kind of halfway through, he's like, I got to tell you, man, I got all the exact same problems you do. It just takes me longer <laughs> in the morning. Like my girlfriend's right. pissed at me. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my rent this month. 
Like I'm worried about a cut. Like I'm worried about my parents. Like yep, none yep, of that shit totally. has anything to do with the chair. So what do you want to talk about? Uh, can yep. you take us back to the accident or take us back to what happened to you? Yeah, for sure. Some context. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a, a crazy accident. I, I grew up here. I'll start the story in a little before the accident. Um, grew up in Virginia, big, uh, list and, um, just kind of, uh, a little next you could say, and got into, um, yeah, outdoor sports at an early age. And I went to college in Boulder, Colorado, which is what brought me out West, fell in love with it, but mainly went to school for the mountain biking. I was, uh, racing all over the country at the time and just really loved to bike and ski and climb, wow. um, graduated. And then about three months later, I was living in the town of Lyons, Colorado, yeah. uh, and was riding a trail that I rode five days a week. I could ride it blindfolded, you know, uh, backwards practically. And I'm riding with a bunch of buddies and I'm riding down the trail and proper mountain bike. I don't know if you, you bike at all, but the trail etiquette is the uphill rider has the right of way. Um, Reason being that, you know, it's harder to stop on a bike and get going again, going up a hill versus coming down. So if you're coming down and you meet somebody head on, you get off the trail and let them keep climbing. Then you get back on the trail. Gotcha. Um, and so I'm coming down the trail and I see somebody riding up and I have my friends following behind me and I kind of bunny hopped off the trail um, and just, you know, slowly passing him, maybe five, 10 miles an hour or so. Um, he's riding up the trail and I'm getting ready to bunny hop back on the trail to go down. And I'm just kind of riding through this kind of side brush. And I hit a stick that's buried under some sagebrush and go over the handlebars. Um, mind you, I've, I raced motocross and uh, downhill and I've crashed, you know, on 30 foot doubles and gotten yeah. up and been like, holy shit, that was a big one. Yeah. Um, but this crash, I went over the handlebars. It didn't knock me out, didn't break the skin, didn't scratch the helmet, nothing. But the way I hit the ground, I, I broke three vertebrae in my neck and suffered a spinal cord injury. Um, so it's kind of like hitting your, your elbow on the desk or something and, uh, you know, your hand goes numb for a second, but everything kind of went numb and it didn't come back. And, uh, and so when I land on the ground, I'm on my chest and I'm, you know, not knocked out. I'm, I'm completely there, but the wind had been knocked out of you. And, and all of us who have had that happen, know it's, it's not a fun experience. When no you fun. You're just like wheezing, sitting there going, <gasps> you know, kind of <laughs> and, uh, so I'm laying in the sand on my stomach, you know, with my head turned to one side and, uh, the guy who was riding up the trail, the, the rider that I got off for saw my body go limp. And so he jumped off his bike and came running over thinking I got knocked out just by the, you know, the way my body looked. And yeah. he comes up to me, sees I'm, I'm coherent and goes, what's your name? I said, my name's Kirk Williams. He goes, Kirk, I'm Dr. Dave Shinton. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. He goes, I think you just shit. suffered a spinal cord injury. Holy How shit. crazy is that? You know? So here I am 10 seconds after the accident and, you know, the first person on the scene is an orthopedic surgeon who, who basically diagnosed what had happened. By this right. time, all my friends are starting to catch up. You know, I'm right. on a group ride. It's a Sunday afternoon. The sun's shining, you know, 70 degrees. I'm trying to make it back to have a barbecue at my house. And they come up and they're like, Kirk, you know, what's going on? And they're like, he had an accident. I'm like, oh, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And they're going around kind of reassuring each other. Yeah. And they start going around and touching me and saying, can you feel this? Can you feel this? And the second I went, you know, second i looked at them and said can i feel what their faces immediately changed from this like wow you're gonna be okay to like oh god this might be serious um so then they ride down the trail and uh you know and get to where they have cell signal and start calling to get you know send the rescue out and one of them rode up and i remember this 
this vividly. And they said, you know, they're sitting in an ATV. And I look up at Dave, who's now a good friend of me, the, the, the doctor, the surgeon, yeah. um, Dr. Shenton. Yeah. And he looks down and he goes, we don't need an ATV. They got to send the chopper. You know, we got to get them out of here. Wow. Um, so he was there and I wasn't upset, you know, and, uh, and were, you scared? Always were you scared? Were you terrified? Yeah, I wasn't. No, not none of that. Honestly, you know, the ironic part is the first thing I'm thinking about is I had a set of headlights that I was bidding on on eBay and I knew how long the ride took. <laughs> so I'm like, shit, there's no way I'm going to win these headlights anymore. Like I finally, you know. It, which is so stupid and, and, and menial and it's uh, whatever. But and the only thing I'd heard about uh, spinal cord injury was Christopher Reeve, you know, yeah. sp- uh, Superman. Right. So I knew nothing about it. You know, this is a new, uh, a new brotherhood of, or sister, a new community. I, I don't want to say brotherhood because there's lots of yeah. women who have spinal cord injuries too, but the community that I was not exposed to. I, I knew nothing about adaptive sports and, and disabled athletes and, and just disabilities in general. Yeah. Um, so there was that thought, there was a job interview I had later that week. You know, it's kind of like when you hurt yourself, you go through the the pain phase first, of course, of like, oh crap, that hurts. And then you yeah. go through the inconvenience phase of thinking of like, mm-hmm. oh man, now my ankle is broken. You know, where I was supposed to play a soccer match at the time or whatever it is, you know, you think about that mind shifted to that of how am I going to get to this interview? How yeah. am I going to do these things? You know, how do we put a bandaid on this um, and deal with it lab- later? Is, is this still working? Sorry, my internet just said it was unstable, just making sure. It's okay. It's yeah, yeah. Okay, if, actually, cool. if you wouldn't mind so, going back, it, it did cut out. If you wouldn't mind going back to just uh, like the where your mind goes, like the pain phase and then. Yeah. So the, the pain phase is the first phase. The next is the inconvenience phase. You know, what, right. what, what is this going to uh, be inconvenient for when you, I kind of said, when you break your ankle or something, you start thinking, you know, right. next week I'm supposed to go on a trip or I'm supposed to take my kids here or do this. And how am I going to do that now? Right. So I had that thought of, I have a job interview next week. How am I going to get to this interview? It was my, my dream gig. You know, and all these kind of things started rolling, not thinking that, you know, the master reset button on my life had just been pressed. You know, everything wow. from that that point forth um, was different. And so, you know, I'm laying there and I, was, I wasn't scared. I wasn't in pain. The way I describe it is imagine laying on a hardwood floor with a golf ball or a ping pong ball under your neck. Now, at oh, first, okay. it's not that painful. It's just right. not there. But after about a half hour, you're like, all right. Let's, yeah let's adjust this thing yeah. is getting pretty annoying yeah and so that was about the point that the helicopter comes and lands and um you know by this time they, they had rolled me over they had cut my camel back off and the doctor dr dave shenton thank god he was there helped yeah. roll me over and supported my neck through the whole thing because a spinal cord injury i don't know how much you know about it but uh it it's very critical to be keep ve- very still you yeah, know because sure. the more movement the more damage you cause and potentially the less function you regain post, right. you know, post injury. Um, so the helicopter lands, they fly me. I remember talking to them, trying to ask them some questions. I'd never been on a helicopter. I, would, I really wanted to like look out the window, but <laughs> you can't do that from, uh, from laying in a hernia or whatever those things are called. And so we, we get there. I remember them talking about their golf game to each other, you know, in the helicopter as we're flying and it looked yeah. like, spaceship troopers they're writing their vitals on their gloves they have those crazy helmets and God, you know, we land we go and yeah you know i remember all of it and uh 
we go into the i get an x-ray and by this time they've given me some pain meds so it starts getting a little foggy yeah uh, but i remember speaking to the physician and they come in and they say kirk you know you've had a spinal cord injury here's what happened the sooner we get you under surgery the better chance you have of regaining function okay um, and one of the doctor's names was dr witt and my best friend in college name was witt um, which right. is a pretty rare name and so yeah. just hearing that in in the hospital gave me some sort of kind of uh smile you know another yeah. moment that was like okay cool you know and i kind of said good luck guys i'll see you on the other side wow. um and i you know i gave my parents phone numbers my social like i was i was 100 percent there mentally uh, yeah. like i said it was it was a trip over your shoelace kind of thing i just hit wrong so then you know i kind of came to a week and a half later two weeks later and my whole family's in the room and i'm like what is going on and and i was talking and stuff prior to that but i don't remember yeah. any of it um and so there, that's where, you know, chapter two, I guess, of the life of Kirk Williams really began. And, uh, and that's, you know, I've always had this mentality on life and with a lot of things like, and, and even literally from the second it happened, it, it, my mind shifted from if plan A is no longer an option, what's plan B, mm. you know, and I, I no longer thought about what if I didn't ride my bike that day? What if I didn't crash? Because that's irrelevant. I think, right. I think regret, uh, it's good to learn from your mistakes, but not to dwell in regret, not to yeah. think too much because you can't change it, you know, unless it's something that you can make adjustments. Why spend so much time thinking on it? Think of how you can make what your position you're in better. Right. Um, and I kind of took that right from, you know, literally the, the day, the second it happened was like, okay, what am I going to do to make this better yeah. um, or make my life better? And it's been, you know, 10 years since then and not to toot my own horn or anything, but I'm, way beyond my wildest imagination of, mm. of where I ever thought I would uh, be, you know, ever again, much less 10 years out. You know, I, I prayed that I would be able to just get out of bed and get dressed on my own again, just be able to feed myself again. Right. Um, let alone, I just got back from, you know, driving around South America in a custom-made camper van. And I've spent months in, in Mexico by myself, you know, traveling around in a country that doesn't even exist. And, Right. And for those who, who know uh, me being a quadriplegic, I have no function from kind of upper chest down. So no core strength, no abs, no back muscles, nothing there. Um, yeah. Well, I guess a little back muscles, but upper like shoulder. And then I have no grip in my fingers. So I can't open or close my hands at all other than just by moving my wrists. And oh, by wow. moving my wrists, I can lift up things like a phone, you know, and whatnot, but it's not active grip. I can't, you know, pick up a dumbbell. Let's say I can't, right. I can't, squeeze a screwdriver you know little practical things like that and uh you know so it, it's one thing to be in a wheelchair it's it's difficult but to not yeah. have hands on top of it that's where the real buddha moments come in where you really need to you know take some deep breaths and, and just say okay you know how am i going to do this a different way or how do i you know <laughs> kind of a funny example that maybe a little disturbing, but you go in a bathroom and yeah. now it's a spring loaded bathroom door with a round doorknob. You would never think about this, but round doorknobs are my, you know, my, I hate them because I can't <laughs> squeeze them. And what I do is I lick my fingers like you would to, to flip a page in a book because yeah. it sticks to the doorknob. You know, now you lick oh. your finger, you grab this doorknob, I slide my hand around it. It sticks enough that I get it open, but then the spring's too strong on the door and it shuts. And now what am I doing? I'm licking my fingers again off the bathroom doorknob. Yeah. yeah. So I'm essentially licking this bathroom doorknob. <laughs> at this, you know, so, so just to give you a, 
you know, the, the fun life. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Kirk Williams. But, you know, it, it all comes with humor and with figuring things out and, and you know, what yeah. works and techniques. And uh, it, it's been a long, slow road. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, I've come a long way on this road. Yeah. So I'm, wow. I'm pretty stoked with that. Yeah. What a story, man. What a story. Was there, I know you said from day one, your mind was focused on how do I make this better? How do I, what do I, what, what do I do to improve? Was right. there a, a dark night of the soul? Was there a, a period where you just said, fuck it, or just yep. wallowed in your own? Did you give yourself That's a great a question. kind of wallow in misery for a bit? Totally. Um, honestly, there really wasn't. There was two times that I really remember breaking down. Uh, yeah. You know, one was was with my dad in the hospital room and him saying kind of, I would give you my spine in a heartbeat if I could. Oh. Um, and, you know, us looking and saying, I, you know, I was a good guy. I, I did. I built houses for the homeless. I held the doors right. for the elderly. Like I'm a, right. genuinely a, a nice guy. If it's karma related, right. I didn't deserve this, mm. you know, is, is kind of, and so that was, and, but it was literally a, a 10 minute, just like, whew, you know, yeah. okay. And then another time with my brother, um, which is a whole nother story, but he, he quit his job when I broke my neck and lived with me for the first year as my kind of caretaker. And, wow. and so he helped me, you know, I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't shower all that stuff. Um, wow. But having him there gave me the freedom to go hang out with friends and go to like Telluride bluegrass festival and do stuff like that. And it was instead of me bringing a caretaker, now it's just my brother hanging out with my friends, my boys and I, and, yeah. and he's having fun. We're all having fun. But at night I knew he was there to help me change my catheter to, you know, right. to help me get in bed, help me do those things. Yeah. Uh, but I was with him and I remember trying to, to transfer uh, into bed and, and just falling or just struggling so hard. And I'm like, it's literally three inches away. I was, you know, an elite climber and, and right. skier and biker. And now I can't even, you know, shimmy my butt two inches yeah. and having that frustration of just like, what the hell, you know, why is this yeah. so difficult? Right. Um, and so, other than that, I don't know why. And I know, you know, I, I talk to a lot of freshly injured people and everybody relates to it differently. Um, and, and I think it's healthy to be upset. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I put, I kind of focus that energy more into, uh, uh, into pushing myself to get stronger, faster. Um, and I, yeah. I did a lot of rehab fresh out of yeah. the hospital and I did a little bit of trying to regain function. Usually for the first year, you're going to get back. Most of what you'll get back, you'll get back within a year post-injury. Um, okay. And so for that year, I was definitely doing some standing stuff and, and they were moving my legs and trying to connect the nerves and doing things. But quickly I learned it wasn't as important for me for that as it was for me to be able to drive myself somewhere and push up mm. a wheelchair ramp to go have a beer with buddies, you know, on a right. Friday afternoon. That was more important to me or, or getting out and camping again, being out in the wilderness. That's huge for me. Yeah. Um, so I started changing kind of after that year, my, my rehab into let's not so much focus on what doesn't work as what does mm. and how you make what does stronger. You know, it, it's, it's a slow process when you go, uh, you can't expect to, to quickly change like your life as quick as you did when I was an able-bodied person. Uh, mm. you know, somebody else kind of told me a quote, your life is no longer a sprint. Look at it as a marathon. Mm. Um, and with that mindset, uh, you realize 
like you do make progress. It just doesn't feel like it every day. It feels like you're on this plateau. And so fortunately, being a photographer and a writer and stuff, I look back at, you know, a post from a year ago and I'm like, wow, okay, I have made progress since then. Mm. But looking back to yesterday, I'm like, oh my God, I'm still having difficulty with the same problem. Sure. You know, and I think that goes to anybody who's in a chair who's not. Um, if you just, you know, some progress is always better than none progress, you know, so just do something. Amen. Hey gang, hope you're loving this episode with Kirk. I want to speak to the men specifically here or to women who know men. The Uncivilized Nation, my online men's group grew by 90 men between November 1st and January 1st. So we are up to almost 200 guys who are supporting each other, who are sharing together, who are learning together, and who are following the process of going from civilized, domestic, and kind of broken down to uncivilized, confident, and fucking shit up in the world. So if this sounds like something you want to be a part of for very, very little investment, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation and join your brothers. All right, back to Kirk. Yeah, I trained with a, a kettlebell group for a while, and one of their teaching maxims was better is better. And when you're when you're teaching someone how to swing a kettlebell, you don't have to take them from zero to perfection in a day. If they've made one incremental improvement, you're done. Celebrate that, and you know that you call it a day. I think this is really valuable because so many of the people listening to this have gone through something or are in the middle of going through something. I get a lot of guys that come to this podcast in the middle of a divorce or in the middle of a job loss. And I think especially now with what's happening with the pandemic, so many folks feel out of control with, they don't feel like they have control over the progress of their lives. And yet here you are saying, you know, if it's just an incremental change, take it and run with it and and look at what you can do as opposed to what you can't. Do you think you came into this life with that mentality? Because you you were a little bit different from the start. You said it, you're an elite climber, you're you're jumping mm-hmm. things on a motor on motocross. You're you're not like, and there I was, a depressed accountant, and right, here right. I broke my neck, and then suddenly I figured out all the ways. Do you think it was more nature or nurture with you that's that's provided yeah, I, you the I, opportunity I think- to crush shit after this? But that's a great question too. You know, I think it's a mix of the two. I'm I'm for one, incredibly fortunate to have the family and the support system I do. And that, that makes, you know, all the difference in the world. If, when I broke my neck, if I wanted to climb, you know, Mount Everest, I could probably call my friends and they'd probably do whatever they could, (laughs) carry my ass up Mount Everest, (laughs) you know, and that's huge. That's just, just, that is huge. (laughs) You know, that's setting yourself up for success, surrounding yourself with people who, who make you a better person. Um, And I've, I've been very, very fortunate to find that. And I think you attract that, your energy, those people who are optimistic, who are go-getters and achievers attract that into their life. Yeah. You know, and I've been very lucky with that, but I also have always had a, a, a bit of a charmed life, if you will, as my brother would say. He's like, damn it, Kirk, why does good things, you know, people say we're the luckiest unlucky family there is. You know, <laughs> fall in our life. But we have all these crazy stories that, that things go wrong too. But right. Uh, you know, I think I always had a very positive outlook at, on things. You know, I, I remember in college one day riding up a chairlift one morning in Colorado and I had class that afternoon and I was literally skiing before class. And I'm like, 
I started crying on the lift and I'm listening to this music and I'm just like, oh my God, like this is my life right now. This is absolutely incredible. How, how do I deserve this? Yeah. Um, and that's led me down a path and we'll talk a little more about it, but ultimately I feel like I want to give back to some of those who don't have that opportunity. Yeah, and, sure. and a big part of what I'm doing now is helping, um, well, two part that I kind of have a brand I've developed called Impact Overland and it's yeah. the Instagram is at Impact Overland and whatnot. But it's, it's a two-part system. I'm teaching people about this adaptive van life, you know, mm-hmm. by me building a house on wheels that's set up for me, I have essentially made the world more accessible if it wouldn't be otherwise. Yeah. You know, I can't get in a friend's house or get into a bedroom to spend the night at a friend's, but I can sleep in my van in the driveway right. and have a blast with them until dinner or until after dinner. And then they help me out to the car, you know, down yeah. a couple steps and I'm good to go. Oh, um, and take that one step further. And I'm now I'm going to Mexico, I'm going to Alaska, I'm going to Chile, yeah. to Argentina, to places all over the world where there's steps and there's no ramps and there's no right. accessibility. And they don't even have wheelchairs a lot of times down there for people who need them. Yeah. Um, and I'm able to see these places and, and experience and have that sense of adventure that I was getting through mountain biking mm-hmm. and skiing before. Now I'm using to, the van and my camera to get a similar experience. Um, and then the second part of Impact Overland is to do something for those people in those countries. Yeah. So start to bring, I'm fundraising and campaigning to help bring wheelchairs to people in developing countries mm. um, to help with mobility on a global level. Because, wow. you know, people in the U.S. can complain about somebody parking in the handicapped spot or, or right. being in the handicapped stall um, of the bathroom or this or that. But you go somewhere else and you realize you couldn't even acquire a wheelchair if you needed one. Right. And you're going to, you're going to stop complaining about the handicap spot. Pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to say, Holy cow, here I am. I've got an, a spare chair in the garage, you know, right. that's three years old. And I have a van that has more uh, mobility adaptations done to it than these people could, you know, have done to their home. For sure. You know, how do I do something to help them? And, and I really think that that's a mission I want to continue. And I want to keep pushing is, you know, that regardless of how much, I'm going through here, I'm still a privileged one. I'm very, very fortunate um, to be in a country where there is, uh, you know, such medical systems in place and stuff that I'm taking care of, you know, that I'm okay right now. And I know there are people in our country who aren't um, and need help too, but it's hard to relate a little bit to going to developing countries and seeing, you know, at the level, like we were talking about before this started, people who don't even have the privilege of education, you know, to be able to read. For um, sure. And I, I just can't even imagine my life without a wheelchair. Right. Uh, so I, I've partnered with a company called the Walkabout Foundation, and I've done some fundraising and, and campaigning. And, and once COVID kind of loosens up, I'm going to be on part of their teams going out and actually fitting people and getting them in new oh, chairs. Cool. But it, but it's these chairs for, for about $300, you can supply a chair anywhere in the world that changes somebody's life forever. And the chairs are wow. adjustable to grow with the person if need be it has regular bicycle wheels and stuff so you can get easy parts and then it's also the chairs are built in ecuador i want to say don't uh in latin america i need to double check here but in a factory it's built by people with disabilities who actually manufacture the chair so it's a full circle it's hiring people in a country to give them money to give them resources it's supplying chairs to people It's, it's just this it's, it's an incredible organization and I'm stoked to, you know, have found my niche there uh, to help them. Good for you. Good for you. Can you, can you back us up? And first of all, 
I would love to buy a chair through this organization awesome. and send it. So you've, you've got one going out from the uncivilized and from me. Heck yeah. Awesome. Can you walk us back just a couple steps to like, how did this start to come about? Like when you, when you come out of the hospital, you've gotten some mobility, you're, you're back to, let's say, quote, your new normal life. How, how, what's the decision process that you work through or was there one to say, yeah, Hey, totally. I have an opportunity now to do something very different and then right. perhaps take that different thing and turn it into good for the world. You kind totally. of walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so soon <laughs> after my accident, uh, the ultimate goal was to be independent again, you know, how like independence is something everyone takes for granted. Um, until you don't have it, including people elderly who end up in a nursing home and, and need help with things. And they're like, God, you know, I'm sick of this. I wish I could just do this on my own again. And so I was 22 years old, 23, yeah, 22 when I broke my neck. And all of a sudden I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't shower. I couldn't do anything. So the ultimate goal was how am I able to just go to bed when I want to, not when somebody comes in the house to help me in bed. Um, and so that was the driving force behind the initial part of it was getting my driver's license, um, regaining independence. A huge part in helping me do that was adaptive sports and being around other people in wheelchairs. And so I joined a wheelchair rugby team, which for most people who don't know, it's, it's kind of up oh, your mics turned off still, I think. So that is go. so awesome. <laughs> yep. um, but the wheelchair rugby team is essentially bumper cars meets basketball meets hockey so you're <laughs> pushing around and these these chairs that look like a medieval carriage and you're slamming into people full yeah. speed and throwing a ball around and what's really cool about it is it's mostly quadriplegic so it's mostly people like me who have limited dexterity who have you know a lot of the same uh challenges that that i face but yeah. but have been injured for 20 30 years and so yeah. i can look at them and say hey man you know how do you go to the bathroom how do you feed your dog something as simple as a dog scoop when you don't have dexterity is yeah. tricky and and he says hey i take a gatorade bottle i cut it in a half i drill a hole here i put a zip tie through it i make a loop i hook it with my thumb and i'm like wait what and i do it and then i'm <laughs> like that works beautifully and you know i figured that out um, is huge. And the early days of my post-entry was me kind of saying, saying yes to any opportunity that came my way. If somebody said, do you want to play on the rugby team? Yes. Do you want to go on a kayak trip? Yes. Do you want to, you know, try paragliding? Yes. Do you want to yeah. try hand cycling? You know, any, for me, recreation was huge. I was an athlete before. So being yeah. able to, to get back out and go for a bike ride was just, incredible for my mental health you know and those oh, of us who have spent most of our life like you working out and stuff those endorphins yeah. and stuff you just can't replicate them no. you know you don't get that out of an audiobook <laughs> right you, know, you gotta work out <laughs> right, right, right. And, and uh, you go a little nuts without it totally, right? totally i can tell if it's been five days i'm like okay oh that's right, right. my life isn't a complete failure i just yep. need to go to the gym Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and so, and being around other people like that, they're just active lifestyle. And then on top of it, you learn, you know, I travel with the rugby team. So, and, and the goal of being independent, now I'm traveling with guys and seeing how they transfer out of their chair onto the hotel bed. You know, what sort of chairs do they use in order to take a shower at a hotel? How do they have their, you know, toothbrush set up or how do they take care of their dog or how do they, right. what do they drive? What sports, you know, some guys are into sailing and different things. So you can, you can just ask, it's a whole network. And I think that's the biggest 
underutilized thing for somebody, especially in my position with a physical change and, and disability is uh, some people kind of clam up and say, well, I'm not ready to hang out with other people in chairs and I'll take mm -hmm. care of it myself. And, and you can, you know, and I understand, but, but you can learn so much yeah. from somebody else. Why reinvent the wheel, right? You know, right. learn from other people who are already on the wheel um, right. and ask them the questions. And so that, that was huge. And that helped me kind of transition from uh, the phase one Kirk to the phase two of mm -hmm. me now having friends, having people I can call for reference. How do you like this backrest or this cushion or whatever? Yeah. Um, all the way up to relationship stuff. You yeah. know, are you able to still have sex? Are you able to do all these things that, you know, as a 20 something year old guy, like that's, that's important as that's any age super guy. Super important. I would wager. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, big. Are you able to have kids? You do have kids. How did you raise these kids? You know, yeah. I, I'm scared to hold a, you know, a pot of boiling water, much less a baby, you know? Right, and right. so all those questions, it, I now have resources and friends that I trust to ask more than a therapist who says, well, let me look up chapter 16 and see what it's, you know, that's <laughs> bullshit. You're not going to listen to that. You're, you, don't, <laughs> you don't believe it. Um, so, but that led me ultimately, once I had my driver's license, you know, kind of the evolution of the, the van life movement, uh, I, I bought a full-size van because, um, yeah, I had, let me think, actually, I'll backtrack a little bit from that. Right after I broke my neck, some friends I used to ride motorcycles and stuff with told me about this thing called a Polaris Razor, which is like a side-by-side -side kind of a, a golf cart on steroids, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and it was in 2009, they were just coming out, just starting to blossom on the scene with ATVs and dirt bikes. And they said, Kirk, we got to get you one of these things, man. You can still come to Moab with us. You can still go rally. We'll just throw some hand controls in. Yeah. And I was lucky because of that support system. We had some fundraisers and I was able to buy one used on Craigslist Some friends and I kind of MacGyvered hand controls into it. And, you know, before long, I'm out there with a chest strap wrapped around me, you know, doing donuts in the snow in this razor. And I'm just like, oh, hell yeah. Holy like I can, shit. I can make this happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I needed a vehicle once I finally was able to get my license again to be able to drive, to tow this razor places to go. And the razor yeah. kind of became my new mountain bike. Instead of taking mountain bike road trips with my buddies, I was towing my razor everywhere. And I was driving this full-size van, you know, with the razor and tow. And I would go to Moab. I would go to West Virginia. I would, you know, I drove all over the country with it. Yeah. And, uh, and I quickly realized driving this van that I had seats in the back that I wasn't really using, you know, and I, I maybe had one passenger, and so, I, you know, when I was kind of back east in Virginia, I have a buddy that owns a metal shop. And I said, you know, do you mind helping me rip these seats out? And let's build a little bed frame. I think it'd be more important for me to be able to sleep in the back of the car than, yeah. you know, than have passengers. And passengers can sit on the bed like they're fine, you know. Yeah. And, and so we did that. And that was a huge light bulb moment. You know, that okay. took me from the, the hardest part of, of being a quadriplegic when you travel is A, transport or transportation and where do you sleep and where do you go to the bathroom you right. know because the bathroom routine in the car because i have the car and now i'm just going to go to the into a trash can that's in the car and shut the doors and i have a little private kind of outhouse oh did you lose me there yeah can you say that one more time just saying that the hardest parts were getting in and out and using the bathroom yeah so the hardest okay. part with having a disability or for me personally for a quadriplegic 
with travel is transportation, lodging, and where you're going to use the bathroom. Okay. You know, because uh, a hostel or, or a bathroom door that's wide enough or accessing the toilet even because the door opens a weird way and you can't get to the toilet. Yeah. Um, so my van checked all those boxes. I had, you know, the transportation, obviously the van, I had a place to sleep because I had a bed in the back of the van. And then I just kind of set up a simple, basically a trash can, you know, a, a portable like commode chair on top of a trash can inside the van and I yeah. could hop in and out of it. But I, you know, if it took me an hour or two hours to go to the bathroom, that was fine. I would just shut the doors yeah. you know, and have my private spot and do it. And that was a huge light bulb moment because now I was able to go camping with buddies. I was able to go, you know, back to Moab and hang out by the campfire and drink or do whatever with my boys. And then they would help me through the sand up to the car and I would sleep in there and I was good to go. Oh, um, and that, you know, once I realized that and I pushed myself a little bit further each time, you know, it's all about those incremental steps, right? You know, we, yeah. we get comfortable and we say, okay, what's next, yeah. you know, what's next. And so it was the van, you know, driving first, you know, second, first night out by myself sleeping in the van, you know, and then it was pushing it further to multi-day trips, to week trips, to whatever. Yeah. And then it was international trips. And then ultimately now it's, you know, can I drive around the world and live out of the van yeah. and others to do it? You know, so it's, it's snowballed into the, now this whole lifestyle. It's crazy. Um, and I'm realizing there are a lot of people out there who are interested in it, especially yeah. now with COVID, you know, for sure. Like it's a safe way to escape. And, and I've gotten, you know, friends who some of the rugby players who've been playing for 30 years who are like, Holy crap. I never thought about this. I've been driving a van all this time. Right. I have two kids. I would love to go camping with. Oh, wow. maybe I'll do this myself. And then, so yeah. it, it's a, it was an obvious light bulb for me, you know, yeah. but for others, it didn't turn on, so to right. speak as quick, like all good ideas, you know, it's just for somebody anyway. Yeah. So a real it, quick, before you, a, before you move forward, I would love to hear yep. about the first night you spent alone or the first night really? you spent alone in the van, that whole experience for you emotionally, was that just a, like, were you crying? Were you laughing? Were you, were you terrified? Yep. Um, I, I remember it was in Boulder, Colorado, where I was living at the time. I knew I had kind of pre-scouted a place where I knew I could camp doing a day trip up there and then coming back down where I, I, I it was a beautiful spot. Um, I call it top of the world because looking east, you have all of Boulder Valley. So you see all the lights and stuff. And then you turn around this camp spot and you look west and you have the whole continental divide. So you're right. kind of on this little crest. It's a great spot. And best part you know, for me at that time was I had four bars LTE or whatever. So <laughs> I, I knew I had cell signal, which, which, you know, yeah. not for me to be over there updating my Twitter feed or whatever, sure. but to, uh, to have a backup plan and yeah. plan B. Sure. Um, and that's crucial for somebody in my position because, you know, if a, if a normal car gets stuck or the battery dies, they just walk out and, you know, to the nearest town and find help. You right. know, for me in the chair, I can't always just push out to go find help. And right. chances are, if the car gets stuck, I'm going to be stuck, you know, in my chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I always, <laughs> from from the day one that I started camping, I always made sure I had some sort of communication with the outside world if I okay. was by myself. Okay. So cell phone to begin with. And then soon thereafter, we got a spot like a GPS two-way communicator. Now I use a Garmin. And then in South America, I even had a satellite phone. Yeah. Um, but, but I always make sure that, you know, if shit hits the fan, who am I going to call? Right. Um, and how am I going to call them more importantly? Yeah. 
but it was, yeah, it was a beautiful night. I remember being up there and I had my dog with me, you know, everything. I just remember there was being like a huge sigh of relief, but uh, exhale of like, you've done it. You, you can do this, Kirk. This is, yeah. if I can do this, I can conquer the world. And, you can and replicate ultimately, it, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. And ultimately independence was that for me. Um, it was getting my independence back, which took about two, two and a half years to be able to fully function independently. Wow. Once I hit that moment where I knew I could travel, could do everything on my own, you know, at least within the U.S., then it felt like everything on top of that was the icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, the that was the main goal. So now the beautiful sunsets, all of that stuff is just above and beyond the real, the real, uh, goal or the real thing that I accomplished, which was the fact that I'm out there by myself or, or it doesn't even have to be in the van. It can even just be traveling or doing anything or just living at home by yourself. Yeah. You know, nobody being there and knowing that you're okay. You know, that's huge. Wow. That must be massive. Okay. So you woke up that morning and were you just elated of like, okay, I did it. I've got my spot. I've got my van. I'm okay. I now, now the, was it like, fuck it game on world. Like I'm coming for you. More or less. Yeah. That I was kind of really excited, you know, and, um, I'm pretty sure I smoked a joint and had some really good tunes playing and was just sitting out there watching the sunset and was just like, yeah, yeah. buddy, I, you did this, you know, which, which just amplifies all those emotions. Of course. And I'm throwing the ball with my dog and oh. I wasn't building campfires at that point because Boulder probably would have gone up in flames if I was, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. that it was, uh, yeah, it, it felt really good. And it, you know, it was just another check off the list and, uh, yeah. uh, chip off the block of, of getting back to where I feel, you know, like myself. Now, mind you, I've also had some incidents camping where I've been like, oh God, what have I done? You know, okay. I've fallen out of my chair outside of my car. Kind of a, a funny story. It, it, I went to one of my first the, like van life meetups. Yes. Um, and I have, I've never told this story publicly, but it's pretty (laughs) hilarious, but I, you know, I went and met all these people and it was, it was, uh, in New Mexico. And this is years after I, you know, and stuff still happens. I kind of say I was an adventure athlete. Now adventure finds me, you know, I fall (laughs) out of my chair in the most inconvenient places and there, you know, uh, but anyway, so I'm out and I'm in my new van at this point, my, my van I have now. Um, and, I go with it's there's like a little music festival thing so we went and saw some music and we had some drinks and we come back I think we may have smoked or something then too and the first thing that goes when when I drink is my balance and I'm I'm kind of like a wet noodle because I have no core strength right so everything I do everywhere I push is very balance oriented and it takes nothing for me to tip over backwards or something if I'm not aware of you know my balance or quick with my reaction time I guess And so I get back over to the van. It's like two o'clock in the morning or, you know, late after yeah. midnight, I would say. And, you know, it's kind of sandy because I'm in the desert in New Mexico and I'm with a friend and they're like, you're good. I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. You know, go ahead. And so they walk back to their van and, uh, and I'm surrounded by all these people sleeping. So I'm trying to be quiet and I push over and I'm like, all right, you know, I think to myself, you know, number one thing, don't flip over right now. That's the last <laughs> thing you want to do. And of course what happens, I go to back up. And I topple, I hit a patch of sand and I flip over. And so the uh, first thing no. I do is just laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great, Kirk. Like, you've done it now. And that's usually my reaction when things, when shit hits the fan. 
you know, and after going through breaking my neck, like things that will set people off in flames, I kind of take that extra minute to kind of chuckle about it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, how are we going to resolve this? So uh, sure. a flat tire or getting pulled over by border guards at a border or whatever, you know, right. like don't panic. Just be like, all right, here we go. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm very calm in those situations. And so I, I'm laying on my back and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. You know, and I'm pretty buzzed. So I knew my, just to get back in my chair was going to be horrendous. Yeah. And so I spent probably an hour calling around on the sand. It's, it's like powdered sugar. So I look like the, a snowman by the time I'm done, just covered <laughs> with the sand and as i'm calling around i can't feel kind of below my chest i roll over my keys and it hits the panic button so now oh. my car alarm is going off <laughs> and i'm surrounded by six other cars that and it's honking it's two o'clock in the morning i'm feeling around on the dirt like oh god where is this i finally turn it off <laughs> and in my old vans i always had what's called a platform lift which is a traditional like you would see out of a bus or whatever lift where you roll the wheelchair onto a platform and it lifts you in the car yeah. Um, this particular van, I have what's called a super arm, totally different setup where it, you, it's a L shaped bar that swings out and you clip into your chair. Okay. Um, and the, the beauty of that lift is off Like it's just a much more versatile lift. Um, but the downside is when you fall out of your chair, I learned on this night, <laughs> I can't just crawl onto the platform lift like I used to, and then press the button and right. go up. Oh, it takes and then hop off the lift into my chair. You get what I'm saying? So I use it as a personal lift to lift me up. And yeah. so I'm laying in the sand like, crap, how am I going to get up? And, you know, I, I'm too stubborn to like call for help, even though, right, right, right. The whole, you know, the whole town's awake at this point right. because of me. And so eventually I realize, you know, I can probably get my butt onto this little like running board step. I can probably get in my chair. You know, I pull the cushion off. I have my key, like, shit's just, it looks like a yard sale in front yeah. of my car. And I finally get in and I'm just exhausted. Meanwhile, my bed's or my dog's in the car just snoring, staring at me. Like, <laughs> Come on, dad, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And so I finally get in the car and I'm just flat out exhausted, worn yeah. out by this point, getting pretty hungover. It's like three or four in the morning, you know, pretty cold out. And I'd, I kind of push up to the bed and I'm like, all right, I just need to get on this bed and I can go to sleep and just forget all that's ever happened. Yeah. And as I'm trying to push myself to transfer into the bed, my pants stick to the Velcro that's under my cushion that I don't usually sit on and hold me and I fall on the floor of my van. Oh, now oh I'm, Kirk! I'm, <laughs> and I think you've got to be kidding me right now. And so, you know, I end up pushing my chair out of the way. I crawl back to get in the driver's seat, you know, and the, the final icing on the cake i'm i'm calling around and i hear this pop and i look down and i see red all over the floor and i'm like oh crap have i hurt myself like this yeah. is gonna really be bad now i'm bleeding everywhere and i'm looking at it and i'm like man you know what did i do and i'm trying to feel if there are any wounds and i kind of scrape my hand across this this red part and i bring it up to my nose and i'm like is it blood and i sniff it and I realized I just sat on a, a ketchup packet from, <laughs> from Chick-fil-A and it, it was okay. You know, it was just ketchup. But anyway, there's, there's those sort of stories that yeah. I think, you know, it, it's not all uh, rainbows and butterflies when I'm sure. camping solo. Yeah. And that's the moral of the story. There's, there are uh, things that go wrong, but um, having a, a problem solving mindset and I've been absolutely blown away things that at first glance i'm like oh like that example like oh my god i'm screwed i'm have to sleep out here or just call somebody and just swallow my pride yeah um but through me being determined and giving it a shot 
I've been able to able to overcome so many of them that I never thought I would, you know, un, like from that, from unplugging things, from reaching things in high places, from, you know, all sorts of things that I didn't think, you know, and even saying a lot of them, I don't feel like I could do them, but somehow I did them just from just trying and trying. And, and I think that's carried on into my business ventures and everything in life. Like when something goes wrong, the first or the 10th time, I'm like, shit, it's only gone wrong 10 times. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're just getting going. Like, let's, yeah. let's try it at 11. Like we're, we're still ahead of the curve. And that's, that's a good life lesson to learn and to not get discouraged so quick when things don't happen right away, you know? And, for uh, sure, for sure. And I think that's huge, you know? So. Yeah. A lot of my friends are in the entrepreneurial space, obviously. And, and when COVID hit, they were like, yeah, like everything changed and I can't make money how I made money yesterday and, and everything's right. falling apart. Cool. This is like an average Wednesday for an entrepreneur. Totally, We're totally. going to be just fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You just pivot and keep rolling with it. You know, yeah. make moves as it goes. Totally. What are you excited about that's coming up? Like, are you, it feels like you're on this massive adventure. Right. It's just fucking awesome. Cause I think the, so much of the country right now doesn't realize how much adventure is available to them. Totally. Right. The wilderness yeah, is that's, open. National parks are still open. Books are still yep. open. Adventure is still open. Yeah. What do you have that's that's inspiring you at the moment? My my big venture, and we touched on it a little earlier, is now really inspiring and giving back to to others, trying to get more people um, out doing this lifestyle. And you know, this South America trip. So last year, I guess a year and some change ago. Uh, 2019 in like November, 2019, I flew, I shipped my van and my brother came with me on his motorcycle to Chile. And we planned to drive to Ushuaia, the Southern tip of South America, and then spend about a year, year and a half driving through South America, up through potentially Central America, all the way back to, to Colorado, to the U S. Wow. Um, and so it was this huge adventure I've been planning for three years. I built this van, particularly for it. I got sponsors. I did grant writing, all sorts of stuff aiming towards this. And it was like the adventure, the road trip of a lifetime for me, yeah. you know, something that was just the ultimate of ultimates, you know, yeah. and being a photographer and an explorer is just something I was really excited about. And then my brother joined me and, and unfortunately for my COVID. So we're, we're in the process of driving back and we're in Buenos Aires and all of a sudden everything shuts down the borders, yeah. the city, everything. Right. So we spent four and a half months in about a 500 square foot, apartment not able i didn't leave the front door for two and a half months i literally didn't go outside for two and a half months in buenos um, aires and buenos aires uh wow. and i wasn't ready to pull the plug at that point because i'd spent so many years so you know to ship a vehicle to south america is not very cheap yeah, I believe <laughs> uh, to, put it, to put it uh blankly yeah. and so it, it took a lot for me just to get this there and i'm like man i can't pull the plug yet we're just getting going we yeah. you know we're four months into what's supposed to be a year and a half yeah you know am i really gonna just say no and so we tried to wait it out and ended up kind of obviously saying you know it, it just this isn't like sars or the swine flu that's gone in two months or two right. weeks even right. you know we need to to probably head back. And so we ended up pulling the plug, flying back, shipping everything back prematurely. But that was, that was the big adventure that I had been aiming for, for the last four years of my life. Gotcha. Now that I'm back, I'm like, Hmm, you know what now? And that's yeah. the question you just asked, where do I go from this? And ultimately the, the goal was do this trip, come back and do, 
you know, rehab hospital tours and stuff with my van, with a photo sideshow and start getting people who are, you know, injured or people with different abilities work with the REI stores and stuff like that and just say, hey, have you ever thought about this as a way to make the world accessible for you? Mm. Also, you know, here are some people who don't have access to wheelchairs. How can we all work to make the better or work to make the world a better place? Yeah. Um, so the, those are the two goals. And I, I came back first a little uh, defeated, you know, in a yeah. way, not not upset per se in the sense that it was nothing anybody did wrong. Uh, it just happened. Um, and being in a country like Buenos Aires, you realize there are people who can't even put food on their table and can't find work right now because of COVID. Right. And so for me to complain about my trip being cut short seems just not, it, it's, you know, that that's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things on a worldly matter. Um, and that really humbled me. And I came back saying, you know what, it just, it, it just wasn't meant to be, you know, it's unfortunate. Once again, plan A is not working. What are we going to do with plan B? But now that I'm back, you know, I've seen a huge influx of people on the social media and stuff reaching out who are building vans anywhere from, you know, I got people in South America, people in Australia, people all over the world who are reaching out. And there's this new found network of people who are really excited about this mobile living idea mm -hmm. and a way to see the world and to do things where they're, they're maybe terrified of flying because there's a lot involved, you know, if you don't have bladder and bowel control, Right. Jumping on a plane is can be bad. The pressure changes can do things to you mm. that will embarrass you to a point to where you'll never fly again because yeah. you know something yeah. happens and they have to land the plane and then they have to remove the seat, literally the seat you sat on. Right. And then you get back on the plane and everybody's like, I know who was sitting there and yeah. you'll never want to fly. And I know I literally know people who've been through this experience. Oh, and so yeah. having a vehicle that they can drive, they take that out of there. Plus they can bring the medical supplies that they're worried about not having, you know, all that stuff. Right. And so my mid goal moving forward is to keep, keep traveling out of the van and do things, but also to help educate and bring awareness and, and help those who want to get into this lifestyle, you know, and ultimately I'd like to make some sort of business or something out of it where I can, uh, you know, it, it's not just volunteer work for me all the time where I can get compensated you know, sure. doing this, but I'm not sure of the route yet. And for me now, it's still more important to get more people doing this than it is yeah. to get a paycheck at the end of the day yeah. by helping these people get there. Um, brother. And, but, you know, I, I still would love right now. I'm just trying to be responsible in the way I travel. Um, yeah. You know, I think those who live full time on the road right now, like, yes, you, you can still be out there and very much be a, uh, responsible traveler and avoid people and, and social distancing and everything. But I think if you have a home base that you can be at, um, which is where I am right now with my family in Virginia, yeah. um, that it's maybe not the best time for me to be going down into Mexico, let's say, or, mm -hmm. or traveling around um, and to actually just kind of stay put and hang tight just, just because I have that option. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, I have a new four month old lab puppy who's uh -huh. taking every ounce of energy I have because he's a wild man. And uh, so I've, I've always traveled with the dog. I have a 13 year old lab who's a service dog. And now I have a, a four month old. So it, 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 um, yeah, ultimately, you know, having a puppy, it, it's a perfect excuse to just stay put and train him and take him, you know, on little adventures around town yeah. um, and, and do that special bonding and work on some things and get him used to the van and to travel and, you know, um, 
Yeah, you got so, your hands full, man. If you got a four month old lab puppy, you've got your hands full. Yeah, I've got yeah, plenty. You're, you're good for a bit. <laughs> plenty to do these days, that's for sure. Oh, I love it, man. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I know you totally. said uh, the Instagram handle uh, previously, but if you would mention again, for people who want to follow along, for people who want to donate, for people who want to be a part of your journey, or even if you're open to it, contact you, yep. where's yep. the best way to get more Kirk? Yeah, absolutely. The The best is probably Instagram, Instagram and it's at impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, period overland but okay. i think if you just write impact overland i'll pop up kirk williams Beautiful. i have an impactoverland.com website uh and i have a gazillion photos that are still on my hard drive you would think after a year of quarantine i could have you know <laughs> taken the time to upload them but we all know how that goes sometimes it's <laughs> all right and then on my instagram there, there's a link where you can click to donate towards the chairs uh through the walkabout foundation you know and um, I, I appreciate anything there and anybody that wants to reach out or has any ideas or leads or, or just wants to know more or has, you know, anything I, I'm open to discussion and helping further the cause of, you know, mobility. Awesome. And I'm sure you hear this a lot, but it may wash over you since you're just living your life. But thank you for just providing an incredible example for both able-bodied people and people who are challenged. To say, hey, indeed. Well, thank you. Yeah, take, I take what I have, and I'm going to make the absolute most of it, and yep. and and bring a whole shit ton of people along the ride with me. So, <laughs> I appreciate well, you, brother. You. Thank you for joining along. And I, next time you're in Colorado, I look forward to, uh, to actually shaking your hand in person. Yeah, heck yeah, sounds Cheers. good. Great, good talking with you. You too, man. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.